Jacob left Bathsheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Uh, Revelation chapter 5. the end of the Bible, we've been at the beginning. Revelation chapter 5, verses 6 through to 14. Then I saw a lamb looking as, as if it'd been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he'd taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom of priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and all on the sea and all that is in them, saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. And the third reading in John's Gospel, chapter 1, 43 to 51. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph, Nazareth. Can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked, come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said of him, 
Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you're the son of God, you're the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under a fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Great. You spotted the theme. God's kind of probably in there somewhere. Um, I don't know if you noticed in, in uh, the recent times, there's, uh, there's been a kind of rise in the interest of angels. Have you noticed that? Go to shops and there's angel this and angel that. Uh, I was watching a comedian, Ross Noble. Do you know if he comes from Ross Noble? No, he's a Geordie comedian and he had this whole, he just goes off on kind of uh, just like um, discursions in his, his thinking. He was talking about uh, angel delight actually and he was saying what a misnomer that is. <laughs> For angels, a sort of little sort of bag of powdery milk. <laughs> they kind of have all the things in the world. Angel delight. Anyway, that was an aside. Um, from the cover of, of magazines uh, and columns in newspapers, and even if you go into bookshops, believe me, there are still a few around of borders and waterstones. There are lots of references to guardian angels used in a variety of ways. Someone isn't a very good driver and who's always getting distracted, not paying attention and failing to notice things, but never has accidents. And everyone says, he's got a guardian angel. Notice I'm not being sexist by saying she. In other words, what people are saying is someone is watching over him to make sure that no fall, no harm befalls him. But on the other hand, you know, there's that kind of hope and belief, I guess, in something or some power that's kindly and out for good for us. But then there's that whole skepticism about, I guess, what we might call biblical angels. And it's not helped by the artist's impressions, little chubby things, with fluttery wings, more like fat fairies, I suppose, than... Uh, Powerful beings. Be careful, aren't they? <laughs> but you know what I mean? They, they're kind of seen as just very innocent, very red and rosy. Or maybe people thinking I've not seen a winged person floating around with a harp recently. Have you? You see, angels seem in the church at least to have been relegated, well, to Christmas and then to the top of the Christmas tree, or somewhere on a card or with tinsel-adorned children in a nativity play. And there is a lot of sentimentality and familiarity that, that actually covers and obscures the reality that angels are rather fearsome messengers of God. And our understanding of them has become a little bit obscured. But open up any good concordance or, or just take a flick through the scriptures and you find references to angels all over. In the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, angels appear. We heard about Jacob's encounter. Through the, uh, the, what we call the history writings, uh, those, that section, 
from Judges through to, to sort of uh, Job, angels are there. In the Psalms, we heard one at the start of the service, angels referred to. Even in the prophets, angels crop up. And then we've just heard in the Gospels, in Paul, in his letters, particularly in Corinthians and Colossians and Revelation, references to angels. And they're not chubby, but powerful. They are the agents through whom the Lord sees that his will on earth is done. They are the agents of God watching over those who are his, seeing to it that when we're about to doze off at the wheel, there's someone to jerk us back awake, as Psalm 91.11 would say, he will give his angels charge over you to guard you in all your ways. We don't speak much about angels, but they're there. I think the church perhaps has lost its understanding a little bit in, uh, in kind of re- re- thinking about this and looking up not only in Scripture, but in a, a compendium of, of worship songs, songs of fellowship. There's five volumes, but in the first three, 1,660 songs, there are some songs about angels, but I have to say they're majority old. Hymns pre-20th century, and often to do with Christmas. I mean, they crop up a lot in the Christmas story, understandably. There is a growing interest of angels in the world, but not really an understanding in the church. Yet angels are real, unseen very often, but real. We do sing that song, A God of Angel Armies. And that comes from 2 Kings chapter 6. Prophet Elisha cut off by a besieging army and his young servant asked him, what's going to happen? We're outnumbered. I'm terrified. And Elisha prayed, oh Lord, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. The angels were there even though they couldn't see with physical eyes. And we should remember that living as we do in an age which is so bound up with the immediate experience with what we can see on the, with our eyes or so forth. But there's more about angels than just being protective. There's more about angels than just being guardians. In fact, I think probably we maybe miss the mark or, or get a little bit down a side alley if we think that they're more concerned with us as individuals. How do they help us, our guardians, sitting on our shoulder, kind of being the good conscience? Their function is far bigger. We see in Scripture that angels belong to heaven. They belong in heaven. They're part of the household of God, where he has his particular being and from where he rules the world. We saw that, we read that in chapter 5 of Revelation, but also in chapter 4, crucial to their message. They're the foundation of God's uh, kind of description, his statement of God's eternal power and glory. The visions of God, the Father and the Son in glory, throne in the world, eternal creator and redeemer of, the all, of all. And towards the end of the vision, two verses come which are important to us in this evening, 5 verses 11 to 13. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. That's a lot, isn't it? They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders and in a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain 
to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and under the sea and all that is in them singing to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The John in, in that vision that he was granted a glimpse of heavenly glory, what does he learn? First, God, Jesus, the center of all things and surrounding the eternal God. The first and chief thing is that is there there is praise. There are angels. That whenever there is praise of God, as we declare his glory, the angels are leading and encouraging. We might say that they're the choir and the orchestra of heaven, the great company that enables the population of heaven and on earth of all creation that is redeemed to celebrate in word and song his greatness. I love this passage, the emphasis on the immense numbers, uncountable perhaps, that they are everywhere, surrounding the living creatures and the, and the elders, and they are enabling them to let their praise take place. This popular celebration that we need to keep remembering, keep drawing us inspiration from and taking seriously, that our life on earth existing in our form is caught up too in the embrace of the glory and the song of the great king. Where God's will is done, where he is truly praised. Angels orchestrate the praise of God, not only in that throne, in that dwelling, in that wonderful, wonderful celebration of joy, but on earth as well. They're the ones, the messengers, those agents of God who see to it that God's will is done here on earth as in heaven. Where the great acts of God in creation and redemption take place, there are angels. Job 38 verse 7. All at, at, at the creation according to that, to that passage. While the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. In the psalm that I read at the start of the service, that, that call to praise the Lord of everything created, angels included. The great acts of God. So it was in the birth of Jesus, the beginning of the recreation of the fallen world, Luke 2, 13 and 14. Suddenly a great company of the angel heavenly host appeared with the angel, the declarer, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest on earth, peace to people on whom his favor Rest. Notice how many there are. Great multitude. And that great Christmas hymn, Ye who sang creation's story, now proclaim Messiah's birth. See, that's the point of, of the dream of Jacob as he goes on his way to find a wife after stealing his blessing from Esau. He too has this glimpse of heaven. And he dreams of this ladder set up from earth to heaven with angels descending and ascending. That is moving between the heavenly realm, God's realm, and ours. And in that dream and from that dream, he receives a revelation and a promise that God will be with him. 
I don't think it's an accident that in John's gospel, with that reference, as Jesus said, you will see, I truly you will see, Nathaniel, heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. The reference that the great son of Jacob is amongst them and an even more decisive role to play in God's plan of salvation. Jacob, who's renamed Israel, here is Jesus, the true Israel amongst them. This is the point of the text. The writer who is given a vision of multitudes of angels is alone and in exile, John that he's writing to a persecuted and demoralized church. He's telling his people that in their plight, they are like Elisha's servant boy, surrounded by the heavenly hosts who share their worship and life. So what does this mean for us? We have to understand the sense of priorities. In the Lord's Prayer, we pray, your will be done as it is in heaven. Do it on earth. And the angels remind us of the way in which the will of God is done in heaven and they praise him. To do the will of God is to praise him. That doesn't mean always making a fuss, being seen in the right attitudes and talking about spirituality or feeling that we've got to make a lot of noise. It does certainly mean that we should make the worship of the people of God a priority in our lives, in church and in our daily living. Reminding ourselves as we join in that heavenly song, centering God, worshipping him, joining with a great company. It also means living our lives in a way that every day lives to express praise to the one who sits on the throne. The angels are there not simply to help us as we, we journey through life and prevent us from stupid mistakes, but most certainly to assist our song to assist our daily living so that our thoughts and words, our washing up, our traveling to work, our gardening, our listening to music can also share in their own way in creation's praise of its maker and redeemer. We don't worship alone. A story about uh, the training of some lay preachers, leaders of services in small churches. When someone complained how depressing it was to lead worship with a mere handful of people, one godly person rose to his feet and said, you don't lead worship in the presence of a mere handful, but before angels and archangels and all the company of heaven. Good to know. Whether we're on our own in a small group or gathered as a family, we worship. We praise, and we're part of this great company, seen and unseen, who worship him in every time and place. And they make Jesus known. This revelation, this declaration, this call, this proclamation, Jesus is the eternal word and son of God. Angels help in this revelation. John's gospel you will see angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. In other words, they're letting the will from heaven become done on earth, centered upon Jesus. Jesus in his incarnation, in his birth, and, and in coming as he's made flesh amongst us, 
through his life, in his resurrection again, angels declaring he is risen. Our worship to make Jesus known. The message of the angels is that vision is that in all ways and everywhere, whatever we're doing, whatever happens to us, don't lose heart. I'm not asking us to sing it. We've got a song that would be apt to sing in a moment. That Christmas carol, it came upon the midnight clear with these words. Yet with woes of sin and strife, the world has suffered long. Beneath the angel's strain have rolled 2,000 years of wrong. And man at war with man hears not the love song which they bring. Oh, hush the noise, ye men of strife, and hear the angels sing. For lo, the days are hastening on by prophet bards foretold when with the ever-circling years comes round the age of gold when peace shall over all the earth its ancient splendors fling and all the world send back the song which now the angels sing because they praise God and they praise the Lamb and that we join in our song of praise learning from these witnesses of scripture to praise him and center him and make his declaration known we don't hanker after angelic felicitations and seeking spiritual kind of weirdness that is divorced from Jesus But in the testimony of Scripture, we see these real beings who live out their purpose. May we join some, draw some inspiration, some clarity, some sense, and encouragement of our first priority. And knowing that as we step out and as we witness, the angels are at work proclaiming. Messiah. Let's bring the band back as we sing.